we jump into the text this morning. I just wanted to remind you we have a big event coming up here in the middle of August. Uh, we have a local mission trip to our own community. And if you're free, if you can get free that week, uh, I think it starts about August 11th that week and following on, we encourage you to be a part of that. There's information back in the lobby there. And we just encourage you to sign up. And if you know of someone, a neighbor, a friend, uh, some house you're driving by, and it looks like maybe there's someone that could use some help, we're looking for projects. So please take a note. And on the back table, there's a little form for any project. You can just uh, get permission from the person and put it on there and turn it in. And we will look at that and see if we're able to do that. So just a reminder of that. We were uh, down in Tennessee on our sabbatical, and we drove on some, some beautiful roads, some amazing roads that were up there in the, you know, through the, we happened to be in the Rome Mountain area. And this morning I wanted to show you probably the most amazing road in the world. It's called the Karakoram the, uh, Road. And uh, just a few pictures. This is the highest paved road in the world, 15,000 feet, almost three miles up. It, uh, it connects China and Pakistan. It's 810 miles long. This road took 20 years to build it. 20 years to build it. And you'll see on this next picture why <laughs> a thousand workers lost their lives there's an actual cemetery where all of these workers are buried that lost their lives during those 20 years. And uh, the last picture, this is called the Ninth Wonder of the World. This morning I want to look at a far more amazing highway. It was built by one person in three days. It spans every continent, every country, every city. It was built through some of the most horrific terrain that one could ever imagine. And so I want you to listen to the prophetic prediction of this road which was to be built. You can follow along Isaiah 35. You also see it up on the wall. <coughs> Here it is. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. And they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. And he will come and save you. Then will the eyes of blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And the burning sand will become a pool and thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass, reeds, and papyrus will grow. And the highway will be there, and it will be called the, high, the way of holiness. 
The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. Only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransom of the Lord will return, and they will enter Zion with singing, and everlasting joy will be on their heads, and gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You, you get the picture here in your mind? There's this wilderness, and in, in, in biblical times, wilderness was not a place that you wanted to be. Nobody lived in the wilderness. Nobody wanted to go there. People ended up there. We know Israel ended up for 40 years in the wilderness. Some of God's people were sent out into the wilderness. But Wilderness represented a number of things. It represented barrenness. Number one, it was a barren place. Nothing grew there. It was a place where you could wander around and get lost and easily die. There were no distinct boundaries in the wilderness. It was a place where people wandered. It was, it was a dry and thirsty place. You could die of thirst in the wilderness. It was a dangerous place. There were wild animals. Uh, lions were a constant threat. And they were very bold in, as they were very hungry in the wilderness. And so it was a very dangerous place to travel. It was a place of judgment. It was a place where Israel spent 40 years as a result of God's judgment. And finally, it was a place of testing. It was a place of testing. And we know that Moses was sent there. We know that Abraham was, went out into the wilderness. We know that the first thing in Jesus' life and ministry that happened was he was drawn away into this desert-type wilderness. And so the first picture you have is this wilderness where it's just barren and dry and thirsty and dangerous, a place you wouldn't want to be, a place that's very uninviting. And through the middle of this now is going to be built a highway. A highway through this desert. So what, what is the mean? I mean, there's this picture. We can see the picture. But what is the meaning of, of the picture? I want to just share with you the context of what's going on here in the book of Isaiah. I want you to listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 1 because here's where we see what has happened. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey knows his own manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption, they've forsaken the Lord, they've spurned the Holy One of Israel, and they've turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of the foot to the top of your head, there's no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Your country's desolate, your city's burned with fire, your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you. 
laid waste is when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in the vineyard, like a hut in the field of melons, like a city under siege. And unless the Lord had left some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings or rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you appear before me, who has asked this of you? Who has asked this of you, this trampling in my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I'm, I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread your hands out in prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet. They will be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel... You will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, Israel has become a wasteland. This is a metaphor of what's going on in the lives of the people of Israel. It has become barren, and, and the people are wandering, and they're lost, and they're thirsty, and it's become very unsafe for them. And they find themselves in a place of judgment. Why? They have ceased to live by the words and principles that God gave to them. They have ceased to honor God by, by living out his design for their lives. And so they're at this crossroads. They're at a crossroads. And there's two choices. He ends, he says, number one, you can be willing and obedient and experience the best that I have. Or you can resist and rebel and you will be ultimately destroyed. Those are the two roads that you can choose to travel. And so in Isaiah 35, what God is saying here is that he is going to build a highway through this deserted land, this barren, thirsty and it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide a number of things. Notice the things that it says will be provided. Uh, on that highway from chapter 35. It says there'll be abundance here. Things are going to bloom. There's going to be flowers. It's going to be uh, a lush area along this highway through the desert. He said there's going to be healing here. The lame will walk. The blind will see. The mute will speak. The deaf will hear. And so we see on this highway there's healing. There's water. Continuous springs flowing up. On this highway, people will not be thirsty. There is absolute security on this highway. No animals can get onto this highway. People are completely safe when they're on this highway. 
And this highway is headed somewhere. It has direction to it. And on that road is gladness, and on that road is joy. And its ultimate destination is Zion, which is a word that means the very presence of God. And so there's this road through the desert, and he said not everybody can walk on this. In fact, there's only a select people that can walk on it. Only the redeemed, only those who have been cleansed can travel on this road. I want you to listen to these, ver- these words from Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. He's talking here about John the Baptist. He says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. For every valley shall be filled in and every mountain shall be made low and the crooked roads will become straight. The rough way smooth and all mankind will see God's salvation. John says, there's a road that's coming through the desert and it's going to be straight and it's going to be safe and it has been prophesied. And so he goes back here and he quotes from Isaiah. If we move over just a couple of chapters, Luke 7. It said, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you and asked, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases and sickness and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. And so he said, go back and report to John what you've seen. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to everyone. Does that sound familiar? There's this road, and on that road, blind people will see, deaf people will hear, lame people will walk. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 Verse 13, Jesus is talking. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. Jesus said there's a road that leads to life, and it's a narrow road, and it's interesting the word narrow there means there's a reason why it's narrow. The word used means that it's narrow because there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of persecution and difficulty in in staying on that road. I remember when when I was growing up, my cousins and I, there were about, I think there were six of us, all pretty close in age, and, and after dinner when we got together for any kind of occasion, we would often go out into the woods and we would hike and travel around and, and we would... It wasn't uncommon to, uh, to be crossing creeks and streams, and when there wasn't a way across, we would find a log and drop it across a creek, and then we would, we would walk across 
that log. And you didn't want to be the third or fourth one across the log. Because by the time the last guy came, people were yelling and shaking the log and throwing sticks in the water and trying to knock you off that log. You know what? That log got narrower and narrower the longer we went along it. This road is narrow because this is not an easy road to stay on. It's not an easy road. Jesus said it's, it's a narrow road. It's, it's not a wide road. There are definite, definite parameters to it. And there's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of pressure to push you off of this road. There's going to be a lot of distraction to get you off of this road. In John 14, we see that Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's a pretty familiar passage. John 14, 5 and 6. And Jesus there is leaving and he's saying, you know, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to travel to the Father. And Jesus is taking this road to the Father and he says, you know the way. And, and they said, Lord, we don't, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, you know the verse, I am the way. The point I'm making is this. When we get to the New Testament, the builder of this road, of this highway of holiness, has arrived. And Christ would be the one who would build this highway of holiness through the desert. So here's the main point. Israel, in, in, this, in, in Isaiah 35, Israel is miserable. Their life has become a desert. It's become a wilderness because of their rebellion against the word of God and the principles of God. They have a formalism in their worship, but they've lost that passion and heart for God. And so what God is revealing is that despite the barrenness of the land, he is going to build a highway and there will be an opportunity to walk on this highway of holiness. Whosoever will may come. But you don't get on this road unless you're redeemed. Nobody gets on this road unless they're redeemed. This is the message that God was giving to Israel. This is the message that the church is called to proclaim today. You know, we live in a country and there is significant issues in our country. I don't need to convince anyone of that. There are also significant issues in the church today. And so here's a progression. We have number one, we, we have, at large now I'm talking that we, we refuse to acknowledge God for who he is and we develop a disregard for his word. When that happens, the second thing sets in and that is a loss of the fear of God. And I think it's quite evident that we've seen a significant loss in the fear of God over the last 40 to 50 years. And when that happens, when we lose the fear of God, the understanding that God is the supreme authority, that we are in submission to Him, that our lives are here for His purposes, that we live for His glory, when we lose sight of that, God says, okay, go build your own roads. Go build your own roads. And so that's what we've done. We have built our own roads, and what will happen 
is that the path of blessing, the land of blessing and abundance, will begin to turn barren. And it will begin to turn into a desert. Now, it should not surprise us in our country that many people do not seek to live holy lives. That, that should not surprise us because the text here says that if you're not redeemed, you can't even get on this road. So, you know, if you're not traveling the highway of holiness because you haven't been redeemed, there's, there's really only side roads to take. So that, that shouldn't surprise us. But it should remind us that the only answer to the issues of our time is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, there is no other solutions to that. And so, you know, that, that's why we put these stars up here. That's why we're all about the gospel, because I, I can't give you any other answer. There is no other way to get on this road. No other way to get on the road. I, I don't care how good you want to try and live your life. Uh, it is not good enough to get on this road. Only the work of Christ will, will get us on this road. See, the purpose, of, the purpose of the commands of God are, are not to get us into heaven. We, we cannot ever get into heaven through those commands. But the purpose of the commands is to get heaven into our lives. It's to, to once we are redeemed, it's, it's to show us the road of blessing that God has called us to live and called us to walk on. You know, in Deuteronomy, God promises, you know, he just promises all of this prosperity and blessing if his people will honor him by walking in his ways. God, that hasn't changed. God wants us to prosper. God wants you to live a life of joy and gladness. God wants blessing in your life. But you won't find it on some exit off of the highway of holiness. Our culture today has brought the lie that the bottom line in life is happiness. So everybody's seeking happiness. The bottom line for our decisions is not happiness, it's holiness. We, we don't serve a happy God. We serve a holy God. I'm not reading from my happy Bible. Okay? I'm reading from the holy Bible. I don't have a happy spirit in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. We don't talk about Jesus as the happy Son of God. He is the Holy Son of God. And so our, our number one pursuit needs to be holiness in our lives. When you pursue holiness, not only will you find happiness, you'll find something greater than that. You'll find joy in your life. Holiness, however, is, is not going to come looking for you. It's not going to knock on your door. The broad road is what is the natural road that we take. It appeals to our sinful nature. There are pressures all around us continually pulling us off of this road. I was talking with a friend of mine and he gave me an illustration that I thought is so true. How many of you remember the screen doors with the springs on it? Remember that? How many of you had your mother said, 
don't quit slamming the screen door. Okay? You go out, you let it go, it always slams shut because it has this spring on it. Okay? You know, we're in the day of hydraulics now and all this, but they used to just have these springs on the door. And you have to hold that door open. You have to apply pressure to it. You have to be intentional because as soon as you let it go, it goes right back shut. You know, that, that, that is the story of our lives. If we're not intentional about walking this road, if we don't keep seeking the Lord, if we don't keep daily surrendering our lives to God, guess what? You let go of that door, it'll just swing right back. And we'll be right back to that natural self, which is opposed to God, which does not walk on this highway of holiness. These are the pressures that seek to move us off. And there's billboards all along this highway with all kinds of inviting exits. All kinds of shortcuts. All kinds of uh, things inviting us to get off and take another route. Over the next couple of months, we are going to get very practical and we're going, to take a, we're going to be driving down this highway of holiness. I'm going to get very specific. And we're going to talk about a number of very, uh, very popular exits that are being taken off of this road. And we're going to talk about you know, the road itself. And we're, we're not here, I'm not here to condemn culture. Our our culture doesn't need a lecture. Our culture needs Jesus. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not here to, to condemn culture. We, we shouldn't expect anything else. Because without Jesus, we, we can't even get on this highway. But I'm also going to be speaking to the church. Because the church has been given the privilege of, of, of driving down this road. And unfortunately... The church has exited in many situations and continues to exit this highway, which is very disturbing. The boundary markers have been moved. The road has been widened. Many in the church, even in the church, don't realize where those boundaries are. In 2006, an agreement was reached between China and Pakistan to widen the Karakoram Road. And so that is in the process of being widened from 33 feet to over 90 feet. It will be easier to travel. It will be safer. It will be a, a much wider road, which is probably a good thing. But there's one thing about the Highway of Holiness, that there are no plans to widen that road. God is the same yesterday, today, forever, the boundaries of that road have not changed. And so we're going to come together and we're going to reaffirm that as the church. And we're going to, you know, take a look at where we're driving and our own lives. And uh, we're going to ask God to, to, to help us to once again see very clearly the road that God has called us to. I'm going to invite you to, we're going to, we're going to close here with just prayer this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand. And uh, we want to ask God to speak to us uh, through these coming next couple of months. 
Father, we are the people of your church. And Lord, although sometimes we'd like to separate ourselves from Israel, we're all too much like them. And you've given us, your word tells us, you've given us these accounts from the past so that we can learn for today, so that we can apply them to our own lives. And so, Father, we, we come to you as your church today. We acknowledge to you that we have taken many detours off of this road. Father, there are some here today that are driving in the ditch. There are some here that have gotten lost. There are some here that are living in deserts and barrenness because, Father, they have ceased to walk this highway of holiness. Lord, all of us struggle to stay on this road. But Lord, we just come here today to, to affirm our trust in you that as we walk this highway, Father, that we will experience your goodness and we will experience the blessing that you so desire to pour out on our lives. And so, Father, would you, in this moment, as, as we embark on these next couple of months, would you just clarify for us you, this highway of holiness, what it looks like in a very practical way in, in, in many of the areas of our lives that we experience every week. And so we commit ourselves to you. We, we open our hearts to you. And Father, I would just pray as we conclude, if, for anyone here who, who has yet to receive access to this road through the person of Christ, through the cleansing, the complete cleansing that comes through the work of Christ, I pray that this day, they would simply believe and invite you and surrender their life to a life of trusting in you for this cleansing in their life. Lord, we love you. We, we know that you have nothing but our best in store, so just open our hearts to hear from you. Thank you for our morning. Lord, thank you for your spirit's presence. Thank you for the joy, not only that we have received, Lord, but the joy that we have been able to bring to your heart because we've come here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're invited to our connection time.